Compliance, the final frontier. Tom Fox is the voyager of trekking through compliance. His mission, to explore the original series and seek out and share what it can teach you about compliance. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I would like to welcome you to a special Encore series of Trekking Through Compliance. This series will focus on the 2020 television show, Picard. In this series, I'm joined by Megan Doherty. Megan is co-founder and partner at One Stone Creative, a podcast production firm. Megan is a Star Trek aficionado, although a Voyager Star Trek aficionado. And as all you listeners know, I'm an original series aficionado. Nevertheless, we both love Jean-Luc Picard, and we are going to explore the lessons learned and the shows and our love for Star Trek in the context of Picard. So sit back and enjoy this special presentation from Trekking Through Compliance. Okay. Hello, everybody. This is Tom Fox backing in with Megan Doherty for our continued exploration of Picard. Megan, of course, is the co-founder of One Stone Creative, and I am the Compliance Evangelist. This is the series where we review Picard, which is currently streaming on CBS. Today, we take a look at Episode 6, The Impossible Box. In this episode, Soji is experiencing a recurring dream of her childhood. Narek believes that by exploring her dream, it will reveal the location of her homeworld, which is something he desperately wants. About aboard La Serena, Girati, uh, Megan's new favorite friend, <laughs> tells Picard that Bruce Maddox has died as a result of his injuries on Free Cloud. Rafi persuades a Starfleet contact to issue Picard temporary diplomatic credentials so the Romulans will let him visit the artifact and meet with Hugh. Narek continues sowing seeds of doubt with Soji about her identity. Uh, in a very poignant scene, I thought she scans all of her belongings and is stunned to find that none of them are older than 37 months. Narek <clears throat> helps her meditate to explore her dreams while his invidious sister, the spy, is secretly monitoring them. In the dream, Soji sees herself as a doll, and when she looks up into the sky, she sees two red moons and a violently electrical stormy sky. This is enough for Narek and his sister to begin looking for her home planet. Narek tries to kill Soji, but she activates and escapes. <clears throat> From this escape, she meets Picard and Hugh, who have been touring around the artifact. Hugh takes Picard and Soji to an emergency long-distance transportation device, allowing them to escape the artifact. Romulan's guards try to stop them, but Elnor appears and kills them all. Or <laughs> staying behind with Hugh to hold off the pursuers. So, Megan, uh, what struck you about this uh, episode? I really liked this episode. Um, I, I thought some of the, the things they were bringing up, like the, the scene with Narek and Soji uh, in kind of the, the Romulan hypnosis room and then the radiation poisoning was gorgeous and fantastic and really exciting. Um, I absolutely loved when Raffi was kind of bluffing her old star treat, her old star, like Starfleet friend to get the diplomatic pass. I thought that was great. Um, uh, Picard's kind of flashbacks to being Lacutus were, were pretty touching. Uh, yeah, I'll, I really liked this one. What about you? What were your uh, kind of big moments? So the uh, this was I thought the most psychological 
uh, episode and in many ways a gut-wrenchingly psychological episode. Uh, First of all, uh, with Picard and his comments about the Borg, that uh, they just metastasize Mm -hmm. and that um, they have to be destroyed and how much he hates them, uh, yet they still live within him, as we find out later uh, in this show. And then his evolution of thinking within the show uh, because of Hugh to recognizing that every Borg has been assimilated. Every Borg was someone else before they were assimilated. Every Borg had a personality not, not really taken away from them, but subsumed within the collective. And it really prevent, provided a completely different way to consider the Borg, which is individually as victims. I thought kind of, it, it struck me as a little weird that that was a realization, though. Because, I mean, Picard himself had been assimilated and was still a person. Seven of Nine had been assimilated and was a person. And Hugh and each of and all these people. Like, I, I get that, you know, kind of uh, XBs are, are, you know, hated throughout the galaxy. But why? It's so plainly not their fault. Like, it's so obviously not the drone's fault that it was assimilated. <laughs> I, the, the, like, in the universe, obviously, you know, the Bar- they are hated, but I didn't quite understand the why. Like, the collective, sure, but the individuals, why? I guess I found it to be revelatory. Uh, mm-hmm. Because when you meet a drone, uh, you have zero chance of basically, or very little chance of reestablishing their original personality. Mm-hmm. And they are such a onslaught of metastasized cancer, as Picard uh, talks about it. Um, and and it's now clear that he still is Locutus of Borg. And it's a question I posed, mm-hmm. you know, at the start of the first episode, would we see him? Well, we did. And he mm-hmm. had to see it, and he had to relive that, and he did. And that was, uh, frankly, I thought pretty horrifying what he's still going through because of the nanotechnology and the nanoprobes they put in him. Uh, I thought the collective was contacted uh, or you stayed in contact with the collective via some other means, but it's appears to be the nanoprobes. Yeah. And it's like, I like, cause it was just there, uh, you know, and even, right. even he had never been in the queen cell before, but just kind of knew where it was because of the hive mind. And uh, it was almost like a PSTD, PSTD flashback. Mm-hmm. And I don't have those very often, but I've had a few, and um, you really can go directly back to whatever the triggering event was. Mm-hmm. So um, that was uh, pretty uh, horrific, I thought. And then the the uh, the scene with Soji and uh, the uh, mind games played by Narek to help her remember. I'm not sure I bought his argument to his sister that there was a cognitive distance going on between the perceived human part of her and the known uh, synth part of her trying to figure out which one they were. Yeah, that seemed weird to me too. That <laughs> uh, The part where he did unlock uh, that portion of her mind, I've done some things like that too, and uh, that can be uh, uh, pretty dramatic, and, and it certainly was. Although I thought the seeing the the model of herself was much more dramatic than the two red moons and the storm. Yeah. That that was really good. And I think that was um that was that was a big reference too. I think that was a cookie and we'll get to those later, but I think being kind of the wooden doll uh right. in and of itself was was definitely a cookie. Narek, 
Never trust a guy with that haircut. I can't believe she ever trusted a guy with that haircut. No one should trust a guy with that haircut. (laughs) (laughs) Well, remember what Hugh said when Picard came on board and mentioned her? I mean, Hugh said, oh, yeah, the Romulan spy who came on board and for the last two weeks has been pretending Mm -hmm. not to be interested in her. Uh, uh, It was obviously well known on, on the cube what he was there to do, yet no one really communicated that to Soji for some reason. Yes, well, I think well, Soji's role there was with the reclamation project, not with the Romulans, right? So maybe there just wasn't, you right. know, she wouldn't have listened anyway because of the haircut. <laughs> There's one of those guys in every college class. <laughs> they don't usually have like radiation poisoning boxes, Got but it. they're always bad. <laughs> exactly. It, it, it's the millennial mullet right there. <laughs> the, the, the mullet lives. Is that what you're telling me? So, um, the uh, what did you think about Hugh's relationship with Picard? Was that genuine? I think that definitely was genuine. I think because because what they were talking about, like Hugh, right now is really living the the work of reclaiming these Borg, helping them become individuals again, experiencing what must be a lot of pushback and a lot of stigma from the Federation and the rest of the galaxy. And then here's Picard who comes and who was also a Borg but that was completely respected, had a great career, had great renown, was well-beloved by the Federation and the rest of the world, at least until the whole Romulan thing. Um, like, if there's anyone who's going to help the XBs become a part of society, it's Picard. What about the reference to why uh, Bruce Maddox created them? Did you really buy that whole backstory of Maddox did it so that he could figure out who was uh, behind the attack of the synths? Not, not really. That, that, that I, I kind of glossed over that. Um, actually, I think. I mean, I kind of lost interest in Bruce Maddox after he was dead. <laughs> it's just like, okay, he was a plot point. But no one ever really dies on Star Trek. Um, I, I, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm a lot more interested in how Data was involved than how Maddox was involved. But I'm, I'm kind of waiting on that one. I think the homeworld. I'm really right. curious about. Like, what is the homeworld? Are there more of them? Is there a whole homeworld worth of synths? That would be very cool. So I really, um, I'm, I'm going to channel my inner Dr. Soong here and just think that, Ooh, uh, okay. you know, he just created them. There's no homeworld. He was just a mad mm-hmm. scientist and uh, put them together. I really didn't buy Maddox's. Mm-hmm. Although if, if, if that reference by Maddox is correct, that he created them to find out what led to the Sith, synth rebellion, um, that does add a, a delicious level of complexity uh, and deviousness mm-hmm. uh, to this. True. And maybe um, Gerardi, uh maybe she's on to something. Well, maybe because we still, we still don't know what she knows. And I hope we right. find out very soon. We're running out of episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, spoiler alert, it's coming. It's coming, okay. It's coming. It's coming. The action scenes. We didn't get as many action scenes as this one. There were two primary. Unfortunately, one we didn't see. Uh, but we had the action scene with Soji. And uh, so for those listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. she goes into this meditation chamber, figures out what she figures out. Narek leaves, and he leaves a uh, radiate, radiation device or a poisoning gas device or something very cool device uh, in a music box. Uh, shaped as a Rubik's Cube, which he opens, it pops up, and uh, the bad stuff starts to seep out. And this activates her, and she actually smashes through the floor and then transcends two or three levels down 
course, right next to Hugh and, and Picard. The um, the action scene we didn't see, which I really wanted to see, was... I was so sad. <laughs> when El- Elnor uh, goes out to fight the Romulans who are there uh, to attack the Queen's Hive, and uh, we only know uh, it didn't go well for the Romulans. Well, that, that, that like, his, his tagline, I guess, please, friends, choose to live. It's so good. Yes. It's so good. <laughs> And um, I, I, I liked, I noticed when, um, so as you met Picard and Hugh, she said the same thing Dodge did when Dodge first met Picard, is do you know me? Right. I thought that was kind of nice. That was a nice touch. Bracelet that he had from Dodge that he showed to Soji to, for his bona fides, uh, I thought that was an interesting clue as well. Yes, the, the necklace they both had, right? And that was like right. the last thing she scanned to find out that she was only three years old. <laughs> right. So what were some of the cookies you liked? Uh, mention of latinum. Uh, yes. uh, Gold-plated latinum. Gold-plated latinum. And this is a, a question that I've, I've in um, an amount of research I'm not going to describe because it incriminates me as a bigger nerd than I want to be known as. Um, how latinum actually works for members of the Federation <clears throat> baffles me because it's supposed to be this post-money economy. Right. But other cultures obviously still have money. It's latinum. How do Federation members get latinum? Why are they betting with it? <laughs> so, if anyone knows the answer to that, please reach out to me. <laughs> so, what did you think, and did you think it was a cookie when Hugh said, our new queen is Romulan? No, I didn't think that was a cookie. I thought that was some kind of more of a plot point. So, and I think, are they talking about okay. Nerissa, or are they talking about the kind of prophetic Romulan from a few episodes ago? Actually, I thought they were referencing... Oh, like, like Romulans device. collectively. Okay. I thought they were talking about a specific right. female Romulan. The device they used, which I believe mm-hmm. came from Voyager. Uh, the Sicarians. Uh, I didn't... Yeah, I didn't realize they'd been assimilated. But uh, the device, it was... Would you call it a transport device, or was it something different? I think they called it a trajector. Right. And it was it was definitely some kind of like instant transport device. Um, did you know that that Soji knew how far it would transport you? Forty thousand light years. Right. How did she know that? She knew of the device. <laughs> She's a smart girl. Yeah, probably Canadian. Maybe Canadian, maybe Canadian. But it was it was in the hidden Borg queen cell. So I'm like, maybe was Borg technology used in her creation? Oh, Does she have nanoparticles? I thought she was just, uh, that's a great point. I thought she was just knew all things, uh, period. And she just said, study the Sicarians. I knew they had this. That, that's definitely a possibility, but I think maybe, maybe there's more to it than that. Maybe there's a, a Borg connection to the synths. Wow. Wouldn't that be juicy? <laughs> that would be really juicy. <laughs> so what did you make of the wooden doll? Did that have any sort of Pinocchio reference or... Was that a data reference? I think it was exactly. It was exactly didn't because Riker called Data right. Pinocchio, so I think that was like a very like a direct reference. Um, I thought that was a Doctor Soong reference uh, from one of the times we actually visited his lab. Mm-hmm. I recall seeing multiple. I think the the I mean even if it's not a direct reference, like that was intentionally pulled. It's a pretty obvious one for since like computers that want to be real. <laughs> It's the one to be real, I think. <laughs> it's right there. 
So what do you give, uh, do you give this episode? Is it, did it meet uh, your hopes, expectations, wants, needs, or did it find that it uh, dragged a little bit or did it move the storyline forward? What were your- no, I, I, I like, there was a really good amount of moving forward in this right. one. I think it was, um, it was better paced than the last one, which I thought was a little too much all in one, in one right. go. Um, but I thought the script, and, and like we're, we're full into the rising action now and I'm really excited to see the next one. Um, which I have not yet. <laughs> I've been incredibly disciplined. <laughs> well, I don't have your self-discipline, so uh, <laughs> I went ahead and watched the next one, but uh, that's okay. Oh yeah, it's fine. Yeah, and uh, uh, what about you? How did, how did this one? How did this one? So see you? this one actually, I thought was pretty revelatory for me, and it was really around the board. Uh, the mm-hmm. first kind of time Picard has the breakdown, I think it's on the La Serena where he has the um, metastasizing talk, mm-hmm. explaining how evil the Borg are and what they do to civilizations and societies. And then he then comes to realize that these members of the collectives were individuals once and that uh, there's real tragedy here. Uh, even if they were turned mm-hmm. into lean, mean, killing machines, uh, they didn't mm-hmm. start out that way. So that was an interesting journey from him. The... Um, the realization that you're not real, that that's a tough one, you know. Uh, yeah. That's a lot of therapy, and she's got a lot more <laughs> therapy to go, and I know you're Canadian, and that would just be way too, you know, much to share. But when you, you know, your therapist makes you realize you don't exist, that's a, uh, that's a tough one. So. Uh, I, don't, I, I, thought, I thought that scene was relatable, okay. though. Um, like kind of finally staring at a bunch of evidence that reveals something. Right that you either did or didn't know it. Whereas that's, I, for me, that was a real, like, coming out allegory. Mm, okay. um, uh, so, like, I, I thought that was an intensely relatable moment and how difficult that can be and how, um, you know, once you do know it, you can't believe you ever didn't know it. But, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I thought that was, that was touchingly relatable. So is that all part of the process? The first step is to have that self-realization and then the second step is to acknowledge that to the outside world? That's a, that's a fair, like archetypical example i mean everyone everyone's is going to be different right but yeah you have to understand it yourself before you can kind of own it and talk about it (laughs) okay even if everybody else knows it and you're the last one to figure it out (laughs) a very frequent occurrence (laughs) like overall i loved how um poetic this episode was uh like both visually and in how people were talking, like that image of Picard looking at the image of Locutus and the superimposition of his face and, and the Borg tech, um, that shot of Soji crawling through the meditation room with the red gas chasing her, like it was just, it was it was a prettier and, and kind of, yeah, I think more poetic is, is the word I would use for that episode than any of the ones we've had so far. One thing I didn't understand was the reference to Hugh as a citizen of the Federation. Uh, that turns out to be a pretty big deal. Um, I don't remember him achieving that during TNG. Uh, any insights into that? No, that one, uh, I, I missed that entirely, actually, because I, I guess um, I, I, in my head kind of is like, oh, as soon as someone's like not in the collective anymore, obviously they're a member of whatever group they had been assimilated from again without – but now I'm kind of understanding that isn't the case, and that makes me sad. No, uh and, and he has free right of travel as a citizen of the mm-hmm. Federation and cannot be arrested by the Romulans. So um, I think that was uh, – I found that uh, interesting mm-hmm. as well. 
The did you feel like we learned really any more about the artifact itself, where it might have come from, on the role of the artifact in any of this? Not, not really. Um, I'm kind of curious why the Romulans have it. Is it just because it was in their zone or their former zone? Um, who authorized the project? If everyone hates the Borg so much, because it's a Federation project, but why? If there's this, you know, deep dislike and distrust, um, I, I would like some more answers about the artifact. Well, perhaps we'll get them. <laughs> Hopefully. Well, uh, Megan, unfortunately we're near the end of our time, but uh, I'm greatly looking forward to episode seven. Me too. All right. As always, uh, this is Tom Fox and Megan Doherty. Till next time. If you enjoyed this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, you can help it grow by sharing it with the biggest Trek fan you know. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.